0: You? Is this on? It is on. It's good. It's good to see you. It's good to be seen. Another day, right? Another day. Um, a couple housekeeping things to take care of before we get into the Word. Coming up, uh, we don't know when, but it's coming. Uh, we're going to get back to some sort of normalcy here, and we do want to offer the Awanas program to our congregation. Yeah, all right. I saw that. That's good. Little lady over here, do you see her? She's what, 6 years old? 5 years old? Yeah. I want to All right. Well, maybe she's looking at the Game Boy that she's playing off. I don't know. Anyway, the point is is that it's a great outreach tool and it's something that is very necessary for you and your children to be able to have the word of God stored in their hearts. Uh, who knows what the days hold? But I can tell you that the word of God will never return void, that it has a power deep within you to be used by the Holy Spirit to keep you in times that are tough. Anybody can say amen to that? All right. So we're looking for director and teachers, and if God is putting the summons and the call on your life to do that, we would like you to respond. Uh, August, we have um, coming up a 31 days of prayer with F.B. Meyer. It's a daily devotional that you can plug into. You can just go to our website, click on it, and sign up for it, and it will come into your email box. Uh, F.B. Meyer is one of my favorite devotional writers. He was a pastor back in the, the day. That means there's the day, and then there's the, the day. Okay, and he was the, the day. Um, <clears throat> Tuesday nights, we have an online prayer meeting, and you can either join here, come in person, in face face to face, and we will pray together, or you can join online through Zoom. The links are on our website, and it isn't just for the men, it is for men and women, and teens, and children, anybody who wants to come and pray. Today is the day that we need to be seeking the Lord through prayer. It is through prayer that things change. It is through prayer that God is glorified. Don't underestimate it, and don't underestimate the need for you to be a part of prayer. Uh, Now, last week, my dear wife was the only lady who joined us in prayer, and she got through the intro, and then she says, all right, I'm out of here. But, uh, No, I'm just kidding, Uh, but it was a little awkward for her. So ladies, come, join us, pray, teach us, please, how to pray. Okay, Uh, Tuesday nights, or Wednesday nights, we're going through the book of Thessalonians. The theme is the second coming of Jesus Christ, the return of the Lord. I hope you are looking forward to that as much as I am looking forward to his return. How many of you want him to come back even before the service is over? Yes, amen. All right, tonight, from 7 to 8, our high schoolers and junior hires are getting together for a youth night. They are properly socially distanced and masked and fumigated. So um, if you are a teenager, a junior higher, 6th grade all the way up through high school, please come and enjoy it. Nate is going to be leading it tonight along with Thorson and with Dave Z. Okay, and then finally... That's about all I have for the announcements. So, Sherry, if you won't mind, please, sweetheart, come on up and do the call to the word for us this morning. Okay?
1: Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship, to design artistic works, to work in gold, in silver, in bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to work in all manner of workmanship. And I, indeed I, have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan. And I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans, that they may make all that I have commanded you. This is God's word.
0: You may be seated. Let's bow our hearts in prayers. Father, indeed you are the God of all creation. You have made all things for it pleased you to do so. And the beauty of your creation, the art of your creation is seen in everything from snow-capped mountains, Lord, to luscious green valleys, to ocean waves and the expanse of the great deep, to a desert that is in bloom. Your genius is seen hovering in a hovering hummingbird and the great blue whale. But the crowning mark of your artwork is man and woman created in mago Dei, your image. And you have given them the gifting, the anointing to create works of art, works of craftsmanship, works of poetry. And because we are your poema, your work of art, who ply our gifts in the medium of good works doing that which glorifies you and edifies men. We ask you now, Lord, to teach us. Bless us as we study Bezalel, your chosen, anointed, and spirit-filled artesian, and reveal to us the art that is in you and the art that is in us. And may we consider your goodness, your faithfulness, and your redemption through Jesus Christ, the most beautiful person in all the universe. May we give him the glory of our attention and of our honor. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Okay, if you have your Bibles with you, please open to the book of Exodus. We're going to be in chapter... Thirty-one, And I got to tell you, um, <clears throat> I love studying God's word. I love getting into it and just come up on Sunday and it feels like it's just never enough time to properly prepare. But I was particularly excited and interested and enthralled by the study of this gentleman here. Bezalel. For he was one of God's creatives. Have you heard that term, guys? Creatives? Anybody? Heard that term? Okay, well, looks like uh you gotta get hip. All right. The term for those who are, are artists who are singers and songwriters and visual artists and graphic artists and everything to landscapers and all in between. People with a creative bent are called creatives. They see the world differently than the normal person does. They've learned to observe. Where we may see an elderly lady sitting on a bus, they might notice a gnarled hand wrapping around the strands of a purse and the wrinkle and the character that's possessed in it. They observe and they create. They create. And we are thankful for their creation. We are thankful for what they do. They are made in the image of God just as we are, but oftentimes they have something that just seems to be a cut above the norm. Some of you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) All right. Artistic Expression is a gift of God to man Because we are created in his image Imago Dei And we glorify him through our artful expression And as important as sacrifice for redemption is And as important is our service to God Because of our redemption So important to God is beauty in art Think about it guys We're just getting instructions about building this mobile, portable tabernacle, this worship center. And even though it seems to be very plain on the outside, on the inside, it is beautiful. It is striking. It is a work of art. Now, as far as creatives go in our culture, you know, I'm speaking of people who are involved in visual arts, the performing arts, architectural arts, the written arts, the spoken arts, painters, sculptors, illustrators, writers, poets, filmmakers, photographers, digital graphic artists, landscaping, and on and on and on it goes. And some of those people are you. And some of you don't even realize to what degree you are these things because perhaps you've never given full expression to that talent, to that ability, to the gifting that God has given you. Now, I will tell you that in and of itself, art is good, okay? It's what man does with it that either makes it glorifying to God or evil. If you want a working definition, to me... Art that is good is that which glorifies God and edifies men. Therefore, it will reflect his character and it will draw man closer to him. Now, art was at the center of the nation of Israel from the beginning. In chapter 31, we're still, like I said, receiving instruction on this portable worship center. And... So far, our focus through the book of Exodus has been on the Ten Commandments, on the law, and on our service as priests. But did you know that one-third of this book deals with art? A whole third. God didn't wait until entering the promised land to build a sanctuary, nor was the portable sanctuary to be merely functional. It was God used art to help communicate his character to us. So he uses artists to, in a special way, accomplish his plans. Artists were never to be on the fringe of society, but integral to society. And God God uses art to transform culture. Doing art is something God cares deeply about and uses to declare his glory. Now, behind me there should be a picture with the artist this is called the holy gospels the artist is makoto fujimara he is an expert in nihonga art nihonga art that is a, a traditional japanese art form that is about a thousand years old and it uses ancient conventions and techniques and material. What fascinated me about this man's story was what led him to create this work and works like it. He said, I could not find a place in my heart for this art that I was creating. Then he read a poem. The poem was called Jerusalem by William Blake, published in 1808. The poem's theme is linked to the second coming of Christ. And in it, a character named Albion speaks to Jesus while Jesus is on the cross and Jesus responds to him. Albion says, Lord, what can I do? My selfhood cruel marches against thee deceitful from Sinai, from Edom, into the wilderness of Judah to meet thee in his pride. Then Jesus answered him from the cross. Fear not, Albion, for unless I die, thou canst not live. But if I die, I shall arise again, and thou with me. This is friendship and brotherhood. Without it, man is not. Makoto says Jesus was not just a historical figure. This is what dawned on him after reading this poem. But was the one all along calling me through my creativity. And if this is true, that I may know love, then that was the paradigm that allowed me to understand beauty. Beauty that I was creating. That I could see my art not just as self-expression, but as an offering. I wanted to know this love that was defined by sacrifice. And then he says, I started to run with Jesus at that moment. Michelangelo says, art is the gift of God and must be used for his glory. That in art is the highest which aims at this, for God and his glory. So what I want to show you today is a gifted, anointed, and spirit-filled artist in Bezalel. And I want you to see his calling, his filling, his appointing, and a reflection because I want you to see the art that is in you as well. Ephesians 5.10 says, We are his workmanship created for good works. What that means, the workmanship, is the word poema in the Greek. What, what English word do you think we get from that? Poem, that's right. Um, some versions say we are his work of art, created for good works. Your life is the canvas. The good works are the medium that he uses to make all things beautiful. All right, so let's look at this calling, shall we? Exodus 31 Verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. That word called, if you're taking notes, means to summon to authoritatively call on someone to perform a function, okay? Um, Elizabeth, I'm going to take a risk here and, and use it as an example, okay? You get a call in your classroom for you to go to the principal's office. Yeah, I know. That's the first thing we think, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. Okay, that's, that's a summons, it's not like you have a choice in the matter. Of course, you could rebel. You should go out the, out the door, right, and then through the cafeteria, out to the parking lot, and beat feet home. But that's an authoritative summons, okay? That's what that word called means here. Uh, turn to Matthew chapter 4, please, at 21, and, and see an authoritative summoning of a couple of Jesus' disciples. Matthew 4, 21, it says, Going from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. Okay? So he's he's walking along, he sees these two individuals doing their job, they're mending their nets by the boat, and then it says, he called them. That's that word. That's the Greek version of the Hebrew word called, in the Greek, it's kaleo, and it means to summon authoritatively. He didn't just say, hey, guys, do you want to come follow me? He says, hey, you, Elizabeth, follow me. All right, that's what the principal said. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. James and John were summoned to follow Jesus and to do the work of apostles in representing Christ. Why? to glorify God, and to edify man. There's no greater edification of man than to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and develop a personal relationship with your creator. That glorifies God, that edifies you. Now, Bezalel, on the other hand, was summoned to use his artistic ability and gifting to create works of art, also to glorify God and edify men. Albert Barnes, in his commentator, says it was Yahweh himself who called them by name to their tasks. And the powers which they were now called upon to exercise in their respective crafts were declared to have been given them by the Holy Spirit. Thus is every, listen to this, this is the important part of his quote, thus is every effort of skill, every sort of well-ordered labor, when directed to a right end and brought into the very highest sphere of association. I hope you aren't lost in the wordiness of that quote. He's speaking like intelligent people used to speak back in the day or the, the day. All right. He's saying that everything that you do, that you do well, everything you do, whether you are a craftsman, whether you are an artist, whether you are an administrator, whether you are a teacher, All that you do, you do well, is given to the glory of God when you bring it into that expression. As believers, we all have a calling, a summoning with the same general assignment, which is to know God and to make him known, okay, if you want to put it in a, a little nutshell. But our specific roles within it will be unique, unique to us as individuals, and will take into account our gifts, our talents, our experience, our assets, our physical location, and our connection. All of these things. Come on in, guys. Good to see you. So the question I have, though, is why is it Bezalel? Why is it Bezalel? Why did God choose him specifically and anoint him with the Holy Spirit for this task? Well, I think it had to do with his heart, which reflected the way he was raised, okay? It had to do with his heart and the way that he was raised. Let's go back to um, Exodus chapter 31 and look at verse 1 again. It says that Bezalel was the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. Now think about that just for a second. Do you recognize a name in there? Her. Her, right? He's the guy that was in the movie, right? <laughs> ben Her, right? No, no, not that guy. All right. No, her was the was the one that helped Moses keep his hands lifted up when, and this is gonna happen later in the war against the Amalekites at Rephidim. That's who, that's who um, her is. And her's father was Uri. And his name means my light and my flame. My, capital M, God's light, God's flame. This was a dude that you would say in our parlance, he was on fire for God, yeah? He was on fire for the Lord. And obviously it was shown in her life as he, and his name, by the way, means a noble man who was there with Moses to lift up his arms in the battle against the Amalekites. Now, they named Bezalel in the shadow of God. That's what his name means, in the shadow of God or in the protection of God. So what we have here is a godly man raised by godly parents and grandparents. I want to make a very strong point to you. Never underestimate your influence on your grandchildren or your nieces or your nephews or the kids that you are mentoring and that you have, whether you're teaching them or pastoring them. Don't ever underestimate your influence. How significant it is to be involved in influencing lives. How awesome it is how significant a part we parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles teachers and mentors play in the nurturing of a godly generation of children and how many great artists will be helped will we help mentor for the glory of god now you think your kid might be a great crayon artist okay and that every wall is their palette okay or their canvas but who knows you might have a picasso You might have a Rembrandt, all right? You may have a Thomas Kincaid in your midst. All of these things are possibilities, and you can't close your eyes, okay? As one pastor said, raising children is just too important to outsource, okay? You can't outsource your parenting. It's the core responsibility you have to be on the front line of discipling your children, a church, we come alongside to reinforce that. But as Chuck Swindoll said, you know, the church can never resurrect what the home and the school are putting to death. It has to start at the home. More than likely, Bezalel was a craftsman before the call of God on his life in Exodus 31. More than likely, he would have been tested in school and be found that he was verbally gifted and that he had artistic abilities, that he was also nonverbally gifted. He would have been in the GATE program, right? The gifted and talented education program at your school. Um, and so that means that that call would have always been on his life. And no doubt, her, a godly grandfather, and Uri, a godly father, were attentive to his bent. Can I say that? is bent. Did you know your kids are bent? How many of you know that? Yeah? Yes. If you, if they're not bent yet, they will be. Just give it a little bit of time. What I mean by bent is that they have a, a, a sort of a, a desire to go in a certain direction. They have a, a, a capability and, and innate talents that need to be brought out, and you need to study them to figure out what that is. Proverbs 22.6. You guys memorize that? If you're a parent, you need to memorize this. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, I read that like the goal was to get to the end of the sentence, right? But that's not it. My father would have read this verse had he been a Christian during that time, and he would say, train up a child in the way he should go. He says, all right, I got that. Either you're going to go in this direction or I'm going to beat your tail, all right? But what that means is to train up a child means to raise him according to their bent. My daughter, um, Danae, when she was little, I I thought, you know, I I was watching, because I I fully, this is like the verse of my parenting. I I thought with all my heart that I'm going to study my children to see where their bent is, what their natural propensities are towards, and then I'm going to try to encourage it and enhance it. And I saw her do something, I can't really remember what it was, but she worked well with her hands. So I went and bought her a toolbox at Sears. Okay. She was only like seven or eight years old, but I bought her a toolbox and some tools. And then I went and bought an old, old bike, and we got it together in the carport, and we took that whole thing apart. We stripped it down, and we remodeled the bike, so to speak. And we had the greatest time together. That's one of her favorite memories. Now, the bike was gorgeous when it was all done, and she rode it, and it was all happy, but as far as her mechanical career, done. All right, done. That, that's, that wasn't what it was going to be. Later on, we found out that her gifting actually was in, as, as a vocalist and as a songwriter and as a poet. One of the most, well, I got to tell you, I'm really jealous of my daughter in that regard. When I was in high school, I was writing songs, you know, taking grand funk railroad lyrics and, and passing them off as my own. And, you know, wow, look at this song I wrote, right? And they're looking at me like, you're out of your mind. But my daughter actually could write music and she could write stuff that was just just blows us away. So you need to be a student of your child, guys, your nieces, your nephews, your grandchildren. You got to know what they're bent towards and seek to help them develop their skills. Okay, let's go back to Exodus 31. Look at verse three and see the filling of the Holy Spirit, the filling. In verse 3, he says, I have filled him with the Spirit of God. Him, Bezalel. I have filled him with the Spirit of God. I have filled him in the Spirit of God with wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and on all matter of workmanship, otherwise known as skill. Okay, so Bezalel is a guy with skills, all right? Do you realize that this is the first person in all of Scripture to be filled with the Spirit of God? It's not a prophet. It's not a priest, it's not a king, it's an artist. It's an artist. And the word filled means to be infused with. To be infused with that which takes full possession of the mind, to be infused. Some people on meds who can't take it orally have to have meds intravenously, Right, Um, that's infusion that is the medication going straight into the bloodstream to infuse with the spirit means to be filled with a certain quality now look at the qualities that, that they were filled with, wisdom wisdom is the expertise in how something should be done Gentlemen, you all married someone who has greater wisdom than you do about how things should be done. Agreed? (laughs) Okay. Discernment. Now, discernment is the understanding and ability to problem solve. Knowledge. And that's how to adapt the wisdom and discernment to the task. And workmanship, also known as skill, means the ability to pull it off. The ability to pull it off. Now, verse 4 says, To design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to work in all manner of workmanship. Now, when you put this passage together with the others that are related to the construction of the tabernacle, Bezalel, and you'll see soon here, Aholiab had to be experts, had to be infused with the spirit with knowledge and wisdom and discernment and workmanship in these areas. Architectural design, they had to sketch out the plans and that's an art form in and of itself, right? Right construction techniques, they had to know how to tan animal skins, they had to know how to form planks out of acacia trees, they had to know how to overlay wood with gold, they had to do tapestry and weaving, fashion design, cutting and sewing and making forms for molten silver and gold, so they had to be experts in goldsmithing and silversmithing. they had to be experts in, in the, the works of bronze, they had to create sophisticated molds to make the mercy seat, which always blows me away because it isn't just one flat surface, it has these cherubim who have their, their heads bowed down towards one another they're with their wings touching and it's all made out of one piece of gold so I would love to see the mold that they made for that thing um, the art, uh, they had jewelry design they had know how to cut jewels they knew how to carve, they knew how to do perfumery wow that's a whole lot of things to know now you got to know that it wasn't only Bezalel and Aholiab who were gifted, but also there were those who were appointed to the project with them. Bez and Aho, that's what we'll call them, right? Aho. Be- okay, Bezalel and Aholiab would be the project managers overseeing a large crew of artisans. Look at verse six in chapter 31, verse six. And I, indeed I, have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahizamach. And the tribe of the tribe of Dan and I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans That they may make all that I have commanded you So here God is personally assigning people already equipped with the necessary skill sets Gifted artisans wise-hearted in some versions. How many of you have wise-hearted in your Bible? Nobody has (laughs) wise-hearted in your Bible all right. All right. Thank you, Paul. Means this, that they previously had gained expertise in how things were to be done. They knew their craft. They were gifted at it. They knew how to get it done. But still, they're going to be need, in need of a leader's hand. Look at Exodus 35. Look at verse 30. Exodus thirty-five, thirty. And Moses said to the children of Israel See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding, in knowledge, and all manner of workmanship to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting jewels for setting in carving wood and to work in all manner of artistic workmanship. Now notice verse 34. And he, that is God, has put in his heart, that is Bezalel, the ability to teach, in him and Aholiab, the son of Heizamach, of the tribe of Dan. He has filled them with skill to do all manner of work, of the engraver, the designer, and the tapestry maker in blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and fine linen, and of the weaver, and those who do every work, and those who design artistic works. I'll look at chapter 36, verse 1. And Bezalel and Ahioab, Aholiab, I'm sorry, And every gifted artesian in whom the Lord has put wisdom and understanding to know how to do all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary shall do according to all that the Lord has commanded. Then Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab and every gifted artesian in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, everyone whose heart was stirred. Notice that. Everyone. Everyone whose heart was stirred. Part of my goal and objective of this message is for the Holy Spirit to begin stirring hearts among you. Thank you. (laughs) There are a lot of gifted and talented people that are going to be involved in this project. And they're all artisans in their own right, in whom God also gave wisdom and understanding And they are all motivated to work. But still, they're going to need a leader's hand. It says that he has put in Bezalel's heart the ability to teach in verse 34. The ability to teach. That word teach means to point out, to show, to direct. Okay? Yeah. Um, No, you, you don't. You don't need to pour the whole bottle of paint on the paper. You just need a finger. So let's just put our fingers in there. All right, and smear it around, finger painting. How many of you enjoyed finger painting in kindergarten? Wasn't that cool? All right. That shows you how far I got in art. All right. As much as one knows, one can always learn. As much as you know, you can always learn. You may be very gifted in whatever you do, But that talent, that skill still needs to be developed. You can't sit on the lees. You can't sit on your laurels. You've got to always be developing and striving for excellence. According to the text, they're going to need direction and instruction. And perhaps, I'm just thinking here, that they're going to need guidance and how to get along with each other when their expertise classes with a peer who is equally gifted and talented. Does that ever happen amongst gifted and talented people? Yeah, they might have the gift and the talent for whatever it is that they're, they're manufacturing or creating, but that doesn't mean they have the gift and the talent to get along with other people, all right? Um, so that means that Bezalel and Holiab had to have managerial skills infused in them as well people skills, communication skills, HR skills. Um, For about uh, seven, nine years, I taught uh, gifted children in the public school system. And these kids, uh, they were so bright and such a challenge. I mean, it was a challenge just to keep up with them. But when you put them into group projects, sometimes that became difficult And it wasn't so much because of their egos, it was because of their conviction. What I'm doing is the right thing, and it is being done the right way. Why can't you see that? And then there was that clashing, right? Now the tabernacle, especially the inside of the tent of meeting, the holy and the most holy place, was to be a thing of beauty. Reflecting the glory of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's going to be designed and constructed by gifted, artistic individuals filled with the Spirit of God who willingly give their best and submit themselves under the guidance and instruction of Bezalel and Aholiat. That is something that is so crucial if you're going to be successful in ministry is learn how to surrender yourself, how to give it up for his love. F.B. Meyer says, with full hearts they turn to God saying, the best we have is thine. Thou art worthy to receive glory and honor and riches and power and blessing for you have redeemed us. You take that kind of attitude into your work, it will be a thing of beauty for sure. All right, let me give you a couple of reflections. The first one is, display the art that is in you. Display the art that is in you. And this is, this is a reflection directed to our creatives, to the people in here who would identify with some of the things I've been talking about and have an artistic bent And and it doesn't matter where the bent is, okay? Whether it's a visual artist, a performing artist, a graphic artist, architectural, conceptual, digital, crayon artist, you know, whatever. Those who have an artistic bent, develop your gift, pursue excellence, and strive to make a difference. You have before a picture, and you're probably wondering what this was, right? Some of you. This is a painting by Gary Stafford. Um, it's a watercolor. I don't know if you can see it from the side or not, but it's a, it's a very beautiful piece of work. I asked him to give to me his, the thing that he liked the most, he treasured the most, and this is what he, he brought to me. This is the Charles Bridge in Prague. Okay. The original bridge, this is a a rebuilt bridge, was made in the 1300s. And it was the only um, bridge between two land masses. And it got destroyed by floods and by war and so forth. And this is the last one that was built, I think, in the 1800s. I can't remember exactly. But, what's that? Don't drop it. No, I won't. Grace is great, you know what I mean? All right, well... I asked Gary why, why, he, why he chose this picture. And the thing that was is, is the sky. Can you see the sky? Because that's not the way he intended it to turn out. It's beautiful. I, I, it says something. He liked seeing the bridge in silhouette, you know. Uh, but the sky, he was trying to capture the colors of the sky. And what he painted, he said, was, was more than he had thought. It was. Fantastic. It blessed him. I don't know what that does for you, but I like looking at pieces of art like this. It enhances my life. And knowing Gary, as I do, knowing what he's come from, knowing what has been his life, this is an expression of the glory of God to him. Let me, let me explain this to you. I tried to share this with our staff before we got started this morning. Abraham was called a friend of God. Yeah, you remember that? All right. And later on, um, God is going to say that he's going to speak to Moses face to face as a friend speaks to a friend, right? Jesus said to his disciples, and that would mean that's you and me, that no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friend. We are God's friends, and we share a phileo love. Yes, God loves us with agape love. You Bible students know what that is. A love without condition, a superior love, a love that loves unconditionally. And when you're all little stinkers, he still loves us with agape love. But he also calls us his friend. Now, if you know the other two forms of, of love in the Greek, there's, there's the word storge, which is like the love a mother has for a child. And indeed, we see in the Psalms that God loves us as a, as a loving, doting father. And then there's eros, which is the more physical, intimate type of love. In eros, you would be seeing people face to face, right? But phileo means you're standing side by side. You and your friend are standing side by side, surveying the same scene. You're looking out. Now, what do you see when you look out? Well, what do you see today, guys? Uh, A lot of, what was it, death? Chaos. Chaos. Corruption. Degradation. Perversion. Violence. And you look up at your Lord and you're standing side by side I mean, you see it and you really got to be a calloused person not to let it affect you. You really have to have something that is not clicking to be able to just walk away from it and not be affected. But the truth is you're probably being affected by it at a deeper level than you even know. And many times it brings me to tears. It makes me weep to see the destruction on human life. And how much more my friend, Jesus, who's standing right next to me. So I might look up at him, and I see the tear coming down his cheek as he's looking at this, and it's grieving his heart. And I'd say something like, you too? You too? You feel that too? You see that too? That's what friends do, right? Well, then... So that we don't become overwhelmed and we would become overwhelmed if you realized that or if you just sat and thought that death and destruction and chaos and corruption was all that there is, you would be overwhelmed. Like if you watch Fox News and CNN just too much, it just overwhelms you and you get in a depressed state and you just like, you're sucked into this vortex of depression God says, I also want you to see. I want you to observe. You're seeing corrupt people. You're seeing perverted people. You're seeing what man has got against man. But I see also the potential. I see also the beauty that can be within them. If they would only. If they'd only what? If they would only come to me and let me shepherd them let me father them. But I can't get to them. That's your job. I need to speak to them through you. So that they can have full expression of God within them. That they can use their gifts and their talents to edify man and to glorify God whether it is a a visual painting, whether it is a poem, whether it's a song, whether if you're a light designer or a set designer or a fashion mogul or a jewelry designer or a, 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 a craftsman of woodwork, whatever, whatever it is, all those things are expressions of my image. So therefore, I give you beauty to gaze upon, to ease the tension between what you see and what is in me, the art in me. You know, in the book of Revelation, it says that there's going to be silence for a half an hour. How many of you read that verse? Some of you know that, yeah. You know what I think that is? Okay, don't quote me on this and don't start a denomination over it, okay? (laughs) But I think that when we get there, our mouths are going to drop open at the beauty and the glory that we see. Like Paul said, I, I really can't tell you guys. It's just words escape me. Uh, Sherry and I, we've had the privilege of being in Italy and in France. And in Italy, every corner there is art. We've been in the Sistine Chapel. We've been through the Vatican's Museum. We've seen Michelangelo's work. Um, it's just awe-inspiring. But what will it be like to be in glory in heaven to see the work of ours? So, all of that said to you, creatives, I want you to know that there is room here at Calvary Arrowhead for you to express yourself. I would love to hear from you, no matter what medium of art you would like to work in or do work in. I would love to see a community of creatives here at CCA. I would love to find a way to give your art expression. And I would hope to hear from you. Um, you can go to our website, you can call us, or you can write us at info at ccrohead.com, and we'll talk about that. OK, so that's reflection number one. Second reflection. Second reflection. First was display the art that is in you. The second one is to see the art that is in him. I think it's interesting, again, that right out of Egypt, God would want art to be a part of his plan of redemption and service with equal emphasis. And I think it's interesting that today, we being the house of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit, that we are God's art. Ephesians 2.10. You guys know that by now, right? If you don't want don't you turn in your Bibles just to make sure it's there. <coughs> <coughs> Ephesians 2:10. <coughs> for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. We are his, the Greek word is poema. I told you that earlier, and it's where we get our English word poetry. Amplified version says, we are his workmanship, his own master work, a work of art. Could you look at that person next to you and tell them that they are God's work of art? Now, some of them, you might say, you are God's work of art. You are a stand-up comedy special, <laughs> right? And by the way, stand-up comedy is an art, too. Um, if there is, if there is, um, there is a, a YouTube channel called uh, Dry Bar Comedy, and it's all clean comics. And uh, we were listening to one last night, or Sherry was, and right in the middle of this guy's set, he just started sharing his own testimony. And how he came to know Jesus Christ. And it got quite a response from the audience. That's a form of art also. God does laugh, y'all. Okay, he does laugh. I know that every morning I walk, look in the mirror, okay? I'm sorry, all right, don't, don't stop it, stop it. F.B. Meyer says, there is a niche for each of us in God's service. To each a special work is given. And for each, those talents are imparted, which are requisite and adequate. Created unto good works, says the apostle, which God has beforehand prepared that we should walk in them. Our niche in God's service, where the art that is us is on display, because you realize that every piece or work of art needs a gallery to be displayed in, right? are those imparted talents that God has given us. Scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, that spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. It's the only and one spirit who distributes all these gifts, and he alone decides which gift each person should have. Now, in the past few weeks, we have stood and declared that we want to be forgiven for quenching and resisting and grieving the Spirit of God. Do you guys remember that, when we had that time of standing up? And then last week we came forward to be anointed with oil to receive a fresh renewing of the Spirit. Well, now the challenge is to exercise the gift of the Spirit. What is the artwork he wants to perform through the, uh, to this world that they may see the beauty of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? What is it through you that will draw people to him? I want to finish here, and worship team, come on up. But come up quietly. (laughs) There's one of my favorite bands or music groups is Jars of Clay. Anybody heard of Jars of Clay? All right, a few of you have. And there's a song that they wrote called Art in Me. It's a song about looking out at the world, seeing all of the broken things, and then trying to find the fingerprints of God behind what we see. Remember? Observing, not just seeing, but observing. God asked the listener to see the art in me. Broken stained glass windows, the fragments ramble on, tales of broken souls, and eternity's been won. As critics scorn the thoughts and works of mortal man, my eyes are drawn to you in awe once again. In your picture book, I'm trying hard to see, turning endless pages of this tragedy, sculpting every move you compose a symphony, and you plead to everyone. See the art in me. See the art in me. God's love is a transforming love, and it meets us right where we are at. But when we receive this love, it always takes us to where we should be going. The love of God that saves our soul also changes our life. And we are his poema. We are his work of art. Leading others into his gallery, which is our life. Something to think about, guys? All right, let's all stand and we'll pray. And then we'll also worship. Lord, we desire that our lives be used by the Holy Spirit. To share the love of Jesus Christ to the world around us, we offer you this morning our lives, our bodies, as living sacrifices that we might be instruments in your hands doing your work. Touching the needy world around us, Lord, we recognize that we need that power of your Holy Spirit to do any work that is truly effective. So, Continue to paint us with your brush. Continue to work in us that good work which glorifies you and edifies men. And to anoint us, Father, with the power of your Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said. All right, let's just spend a few moments in worship before we leave this morning.